0: Welcome back to another episode of B2B Zero to 10, a podcast focused on helping business owners on their 0 to 10 growth journey. This podcast is the intersection of stories, strategies, tactics, trends, and a little inspiration to help you grow your business and achieve your goals. I'm your guide, Brett Trainer. Today I welcome Shelly Gupta to the podcast. Shelly is the co-founder of Bake It Box, a new and fast-growing company that is part experience, part convenience, that is modernizing the approach to baking. We break down the origin of Bake It and how Shelley went from singer-songwriter to management consultant to ultimately the founder or co-founder of Bake It Box. We break down how they took this from an idea to an execution and how the ongoing story is going to be fascinating to watch. There's a lot of interesting learnings and you can hear the tactics and the approach they took in their early days and what they're looking forward to here in the future. Fake Box is also another one of the startups that we're going to keep checks on as they go on their zero to 10 journey. And as a favor, if you listen to this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or hit the follow button on Spotify. Now, let's get this interview started. Shelly, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Hi, Brett.
0: Uh, it's, it's great to have you on the show. I've been looking forward to this, this interview, but before we kind of get into your, your journey, why don't you share with the audience a little bit about uh, what you're working on today and you know who you're selling to, and, and we'll take a, a few steps back.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the co-founder of Bake It Box. Bake It Box is a specialty baking kit company and service. So um, what we provide is detailed recipes and very user-friendly steps um, and all the pre-measured ingredients that come in your box and ship directly to your door so you can bake at home. And it's truly a service to make baking at home easier and to remove those barriers that, you know, kind of take the fun out of baking at home. So it's a no mess, no waste way to bake at home with your family and your friends.
0: Yeah, the best way of doing it, you mean don't have to make that last second run to the grocery store because you don't have enough flour, you don't have... To- Vanilla extract or something like that.
1: Right, absolutely. Everything's in your box. You may need to add an egg or a little dash of salt, but otherwise, you have everything included. And we really focus on diverse and cultural recipes as well. So you know, you'll get to try something new when you order from us versus um, more of the traditional baking items.
0: Awesome. And how long have you been? Uh, how long has Bake It Box been uh, been around?
1: We went live into market in February 2021. So we're still okay. There.
0: Relatively new, but picking up a lot of traction. So Absolutely. fantastic. So, so let's take a, a couple of steps back. And what I always love to hear from you, know, founders and business owners, is you know why? Why did you? Why this business? Why now? You know what were you doing before this? When you came up with the idea for for bake it?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I think I have an entrepreneurial spirit, truly. Um, so I think it was always inevitable that I would start something. And my co-founder and I um, both have this feeling and we've, you know, we've spent years as very, very good friends talking about ideas that we would maybe implement on, you know, while doing our other day jobs. So prior to Pick it Box, um, I spent many years in real estate development and finance. So um, very, very different business, very project related. And I got a chance to use a lot of creativity in that working with architects, working with designers, interior designers, salespeople, um, and that led me to want to actually study entrepreneurship and strategy. So I moved to Chicago to do my MBA at uh, University of Chicago Booth, and I actually met my co-founder there. So I spent two years in that program, actually focused on entrepreneurship, but wasn't quite ready to take the leap yet. So I joined Accenture Strategy for four years, focusing on growth in the tech space. So that was actually a really, really interesting part of my journey because I learned a ton about a lot of different industries and um, I it, it kind of like continued to, you know, show me that what I wanted to do ultimately in the end. And it was just a matter of like finding the right idea for me. Yeah. So um, during the pandemic, uh, both Carl and I, my co-founder, we were experimenting a lot in the kitchen and, you know, along with most other people, we were cooking a lot, baking a lot. And, you know, just spending that time being creative and exploring our own kitchens. And that's when we started to realize that, you know, the easy baking solutions are are pretty non-existent. And, um, you know, when it comes to thinking about, okay, I want to bake something at home and what's an easy way to do that. We still think about Betty Crocker and companies that are a hundred years old. So um, we started thinking about, you know, what are truly the barriers and how can we solve for them?
0: Interesting. So even when before you went into management consulting, was your long term goal at that point knowing you were going to get you know start a business? Even going into management consulting, you just thought maybe a little bit more experience, save a little money, or just that the timing wasn't right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I always knew that it's it was my end end goal or long term goal, um, but I just didn't have a strong idea yet. And okay. you know, it really, really does start with a strong idea that you feel really passionate about. I've mulled over other ideas in the past, but nothing that really, really clicked for me. So yeah, for me, it was, you know, let's get more experience. Maybe that will lead me down a path of something that I didn't know about yet. Um, but funny enough, I've kind of dabbled in entrepreneurship in other ways in my past as well. Um such I, as yeah, interesting story. I um in when I back in Canada, so I'm from Toronto. I um, I pursued music for a long time, so I actually started my own re- kind of like a record label of my own, where I was creating a brand around myself. So I'm a singer songwriter. Um, haven't done it in a long time, but so that was my first experience actually as a as as a solo kind of entrepreneur, bi- working with a lot of different partners and building out a brand um, and really understanding what it's like to feel connected to a brand given. At the time, it was me. Right. I was. So uh, I knew I just for many, many years knew that this was something that I wanted to do. And I like building things. I like creating things. Um, so I knew it was inevitable. It was just a matter of time and, and the right idea.
0: Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, I would not have pursued a music in therapy. Music wouldn't have been for me, right? So I, there's people <laughs> in my family can sing. I'm not one of them. But, yeah. you know, I, I'm always envious of those folks that are that creative, especially the songwriters, right? Being able to put it together. Um, were you younger when you did that? Was that like a passion project? Or?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I start, well, I started singing at, you know, 12, 13 years old. But um, I started writing and recording through, you know, my university college years. So I was okay. like, like a oh, late teen you. into my early 20s.
0: Which I think is gonna help you, right? Because as you know, doing this show now for over two years and interviewing, you know, founders, business owners, you know, thought leaders in different areas, right? The one thing that's become crystal clear is you can't separate the owners from the from the brand, right? Or at least the ones that are growing, they're, you're you're connected at the hip. And I think the old right. days of just having the brand standalone by itself as a you know, faceless, nameless entity. I don't think it's going to work. I think consumers, right, either business or, you know, consumer, you know, want to know the story behind that brand and who the people are. So I don't know if it was just lucky or good, or you had that intuition early on, but I I think that's going to pay off for you guys as you grow.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Well, we, we both, my co-founder and I feel really strongly about our brand and we feel very connected to it. And we, you know, we're very actually cognizant of ensuring that we are continuing to represent the brand. Um, so I completely hear you. I think it definitely awesome. helps.
0: Yeah, and again, that, sometimes I stop and think: Is it just because who I have on the the show, right? They're growing, and I'm just pulling founders that are active on you know the podcast circuit or in their blogs. And now I think it's becoming more universal that you can't you can't separate the two. So. You had a little bit of a head start there, which is, which is fantastic. But, but I do want to go back. All right. So you're at Accenture and you're now baking and enjoying it. Where did the, you put the two together that said, yeah, I really think we can make this a business. Can you kind of walk us through a little bit of that thought process or what that journey looked like from when you're still working full time to, all right, we have an idea and now I'm going all in. I, those, yeah. those stories always fascinate me.
1: Absolutely. Um, So it kind of starts off with when we identified those barriers. So I'll walk through that quickly first. Um, It started off with actually a project that um, my co-founder was doing. I was kind of helping her along the way. She was making a cake for her husband. And, you know, you know, she shared the idea with me and we were looking up recipes together. And, you know, when you look up a recipe for something even simple, like a chocolate cake, you get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of opinions online of what that should look like, what that should you know, tastes like the ratios are different and you have to read the the stories of the bloggers. And it just is very, very time consuming. And that kind of triggered a thought in us, like there must be an easier way for people that are just trying to do one thing at home for a a celebration. Um, And then, you know, you go and you buy the ingredients and it's impossible to buy just what you need. You're naturally going to spend a lot more money buying larger quantities of items that you need a teaspoon of in your recipe And then the last thing, as I mentioned, we just noticed that in traditional baking, there's so little access to diverse items. You know, you have to kind of really go searching down a cuisine path to find something that might be a little different or a little bit more unique. So when we started to identify those things and, you know, had this idea, and realized, you know, there definitely is a market for this. Um, We were spending our evenings and our weekends, like every day, every week, um on the phone together, doing a bunch of research. we did a we you know looked up all every and all other companies that may be a competitor to us. We started you know, doing analyses and going through all this data to understand do we have a market? And uh, we actually looked up the Hatchery, which is an incubator in Chicago, focused on food startups. And uh, we noticed that they had a couple of classes, remote uh, you know virtual classes. So we both decided to take, you know, a class around food businesses and learn a little bit more about their incubator. Um, And very, very quickly, we were, we put our application in, I think, within a couple of days of that class. Um, So we got accepted into the hatchery. And that kind of was the starting point for us to start realizing that we do have a very, very valid idea that can definitely grow and scale.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So when you looked at competition, was it the the prep food delivery companies or where... Where did you see this fitting in?
1: Um, very interesting question. It's kind of in a few different areas because our service is, although it's baked goods, it's also an alternative to activities that you may do with your family or your friends, or it could be an alternative to just buying final product. Or as I mentioned, uh, or you and I were talking about earlier, it's also an alternative to corporations doing a virtual event online for all their all of their employees um, so we kind of fall in a, a few different categories, um, in terms of our competitors, though, there are a couple of different baking kits out there in the marketplace. Um, typically they're around a certain type of item. So you might have like a cookie, a cookie mix or a cookie okay. crate or, um, something that's related to cupcakes that you make at home. Um, but from our, you know, research and analysis, no one was doing what we we're trying to do. No one was kind of taking the meal kit model and replicating that into baking and then also giving more access in the sense that, you know, you can subscribe to our service or you can just buy it one time. You'll find it in retail stores um, in the next couple of months. And you can also, you know, do a big group sale for a corporate activity. So kind of taking the same idea as a meal kit and then spinning it. And that's something that is not available in the marketplace.
0: Yeah, no, I love the idea. I think anything you can create that's got an experience built into it, right, with the virtual world we live in, I mean, I love the idea of the, the B2B aspect as teams are now going to be remote. I think they're going to stay remote or the vast majority probably will. So how do you bring groups together to do something fun? And I think even, you know, I, I mentioned my youngest daughter is a big baker and she loves to do this. And But you're right, finding that recipe, she does tend to stick with the ones that she knows. Because, you know, I'm more of an air fryer type of person, but just looking for recipes for, you know, chicken wings, there's like 6,000 online. You had to parse through everything. And if there was a service or a, you know, somebody that was curating that for me and say, hey, here's some of the best that we think. And not only that, here's the ingredients that you need. You know, I, I really, I think it's a really interesting idea.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And to your point, the experience is, is huge. You know, we've been, it's been a little while since experience has been becoming more and more of a, you know, of a go-to for gift giving for, you know, anything, as you mentioned, even with, um, with your team building. So it's also just a fantastic gift, you know, with the holidays coming up, um, you want to, you know, want to give something special to friends and family, especially those that like to create, like to do something with their hands. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of twofold. You get the experience and then you also get this delicious baked good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Win-win.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's win-win.
0: And then so, so thinking about, all right, so you're in, you're right. We found something, opportunity. How did you, what was some of the first things that you did? Was it build a website? Did you try to kind of walk us through? Because I think part of that's overwhelming for people and think, all right, I've got an idea. And how do I start now? All right. There's so many things to do. What were, what were some of the first steps that you guys took?
1: Yeah, well, we started off just really being sponges. We talked to everybody that we could in the who's in food, who's in retail, who's in CPG, and just truly tried to understand the industry and the market. Um, We also started to do a lot of um, recipe developing. So we'd pull recipes and then start to calculate whether or not, you know, what would our price point be on this, comparing to buying what, you know, buying the ingredients in the retail store or buying the ingredients wholesale and really understanding that, you know, is this going to be valuable for people? So that was one of the first things we did. I had I, We had a huge spreadsheet of calculating like flour and sugar and chocolate, and how much does it cost in the stores and how much could we sell it for, you know, right. with all of our, with the suppliers and vendors that we were, you know, doing all those networking calls with. Um, and I'd say, so that was a big part of it. Like the product development, really understanding how we would go to market. Um, and then yes, website development was huge. We did a lot of research on how to create a very, you know, aesthetically pleasing, beautiful website, but for not very much money, especially to start off. So that was a challenge. Um, and then because it's the food industry, I'd say the third challenge that we had early on was just ensuring we could get all the licenses in time. You know, we were still in the midst of the pandemic. Everyone was working from home and there were a ton of delays. So um, that was something we worked through very early on as well.
0: Got it. Interesting. And then how did you get some of your first customers? I mean, the website's beautiful, by the way. I don't told you that. But yeah, you guys did a great job. So what, was it just through SEO or you know, friends and family? How did, you, how did you start to get some of that momentum growing?
1: The first few customers were definitely family and friends. Um, we we used our Instagram channel and email marketing just to blast everyone in our own networks and then, you know, hope that that there's a referral system there. Um, so our first few sales in, you know, that month that we launched in February it was mostly people we knew or, you know, extended friends. Um and it grew from there. And uh the first, I'd say the first person that Bought that we did not know. It was a very exciting moment for us.
0: Oh, absolutely. (laughs)
1: We both like we got on the phone together, and I'm like, "Do you know this person? Do you know this person?" And then we were like, "Oh my God, our first stranger!" (laughs) Well, that's um, that's awesome. It you know it takes time, but it was really exciting.
0: And then it just starts spreading. So from a strategy standpoint, is it going to be more? I mean, you're not truly a marketplace because you're still going to consumer, but you are starting to look at the B2B space, which I think makes makes a lot of sense. So so how do you prioritize that? Is it just, hey, where do we get some momentum or is it trial and error? We're going to try this. It doesn't work. We're going to try something else. What was what was the approach?
1: Yeah, it definitely is a lot of trial and error. For us, again, we are trying to continue to be sponges and trying to learn from everything that we're doing. So we started off as direct to consumer and, and just a one-time purchase. We actually didn't go live with the subscriptions until last month, September. Um, and that was kind of very you know purposeful in the sense that we wanted to understand what are people liking about our boxes? Are people going to come back and buy again um, before we decided to launch the subscription? So to your point, it's it's a combination of the strategy, but also trying things. So we gathered a ton of feedback. We've done interviews with our customers throughout the last you know six months, understanding like what can we change? Where's the value prop for them? You know, what are we a substitute for and, and would you subscribe? And all that data went into us launching subscriptions in September, which has been really, really great, um, where customers can buy, um, they can buy a couple of kits from us every month or every other month. And, uh, they'll, you know, they'll get it delivered to their door, but they can go in and choose their recipes. So that's kind of a nice feature. Um, we have, you know, five to six recipes available every month, if not more than that. So you get that selection as well.
0: Um,
1: and then when it comes to the B2B side, as you mentioned, again, it's an experiment. We we think that there's gonna be a great, you know, success in retail, um, but we don't know yet. So we're gonna try it out. We're gonna start with specialty stores in the Chicagoland area and see if it, you know, builds momentum and 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 if we see traction, then that's definitely something that will continue to shift the balance towards.
0: Yeah, no, it makes sense. And just curious going back to the early days when you had who you thought your ideal customer was gonna be. I'm sure you had a vision is was it accurate? Right? Did you find that who you thought was going to buy it is actually buying it, or did you get any surprises during that process?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, a little bit of both. Actually, we started off kind of hypothesizing that it would be young professionals, kind of just like ourselves, who you know just look look for the convenience in things, um, and you know, likely have disposable income and and just looking for ways to make this activity easier. Right, and that definitely is the case, but we. We didn't realize how much of our target audience would be parents. Oh, who, yeah. You know, they may already have all these things at home. They probably have flour and sugar and keep all the ingredients, but the service and the convenience and the pre-measured ingredients make it so much more, you know, just convenient to bake with their kids at home. And that was something that surprised us a little bit because we were kind of focused on the, oh, maybe you don't have flour at home, but it's the 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 fact that there's no mess there's no measuring that's all done for you we're having a ton of parents be like you know this is just making my life so much easier they can kind of hand it off to their kids to an extent until you know you're on the stovetop or the oven and it's a really really great like bonding experience
0: yeah no I think it's a great I absolutely see that even with grandparents and grandkids right they're in two different absolutely. locations you can bake together you right the two kids go out at the same time you can you can make that super interesting. So any main? it's still early, but any major pivots from when you started, or is it still kind of trending the where you thought it was going to go with the business in general?
1: I think it's pretty much trending in the, you know, in the direction we, we thought we've definitely no major pivots. We've made some small pivots um, since the beginning, you know, just changing our messaging based on what customers are looking for, you know, improving packaging, improving, you know, the way we, communicate some things on our, on our recipe or in our box, um, but just constantly improving and, and gathering that customer feedback along the way.
0: Got it. And I'm just curious too, back in the days when you were starting the company, did you have a, a goal? Was this to be a you know, $100 million company, take it public? Did you guys actually talk about what you wanted the, the end result of the business to be? Or was it, hey, we think we've got something here. We'll figure that out as we, as we go.
1: Yeah, I mean, we definitely see the promise in that in that growing to a you know becoming a national, if not even international. I'd love to expand to Canada as well, um, uh, you know, a huge brand. And given given that you know no one has really created something like this in the baking industry, and you know, making it really convenient and simple, I think there's huge potential. And we we definitely did talk about that, you know, getting into. We're start of course we're starting off small and seeing where the traction goes. We're also starting off regional. We're, we're just in the Midwest right now, but we definitely see the potential in being, becoming more of a household name. You know, when you think about, I want to bake something, what's an easy, you know, easier way to do that? We want Bake It Box to be the first thing you think of. And um, so to your point, absolutely. We think this can grow, be in every grocery store, but also be in every everyone's household and be top of mind when you're thinking about yeah. gift giving and baking.
0: Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And then maybe, again, maybe a little too early, but I always like to ask too, is from the the, the end goal with the business, is this to stay in the baking? Or are you thinking of yourself as an experienced company that could transition beyond baking into diff- different areas? Like I said, it may be a little bit early, but I'm just curious how you're thinking uh, the broader vision for the for the brand?
1: Yeah, great question. We, um, we've kind of talked about expanding into tools and bakeware. And um, that being a really, really great complementary way to help make, you know, make again, continuing to provide that solution for baking. So um, right now we focus our recipes on the, the most standard items you may have in the household. So like a baking sheet, um, maybe a cupcake tray, but we try to stay away from tools. Um, but at some point we want to expand into that, give that you the ability sense. to, you know, add on whatever tool that may, you may need for that, for that uh, recipe. Um, we haven't quite thought about beyond that yet, but I think there is so much potential we, you know, baking is, you know, it's not just sweets. We already do savories. We already do traditional and cultural, okay. um, and some of our items are actually, you don't even have to use your oven. So, um, there's a couple of things on there. We've, we've done some donuts, we've done some stovetop items. So I think to your point, there is so much potential to expand outside of just baked goods.
0: Yeah, no, that's exciting. Like I said, it's I always love to hear different not even different versions. This you you found definitely a definitely unique path, right? That that nobody's doing. And I do think baking is a lost art for a lot of houses. Most people don't even know, anybody, you know baking, Absolutely. right?
1: And so. you know, baking is also it's it's so related. It's um it revolves so much around celebrations, family gatherings, and holidays. And it's always going to be something you do in your household around, you know, maybe your, your, you know, December holidays or whatever holiday you may celebrate. There's always some sort of element of like, you know, baked goods. And it's, it's so interesting that there just hasn't been something that makes it a little easier yet.
0: Yeah, no, true. That's, and that's why you're on here talking about what you saw (laughs) and uncovered. So. So thinking back and now we've asked all the the good stuff, but anything you would have done differently or is this was just the right time, right place for this business or even within the business, are there things that you would have done differently looking back in hindsight? I don't
1: think so. Honestly, I think, I think we... With everything that we had, you know, um at you know, along our path, we we did the best that we could. The only thing that would have been great is if we thought of this earlier <laughs> with the pandemic, it would have been wow oh. to be in the market when everybody was making those banana breads. Um, but of course, it this idea came from that whole concept for us. So, um you know, other than other than you know, always you know every founder says I should have gone to, I should have gone earlier to market. Um, but no, it's been great. We've had wonderful partners along the way that have been super helpful. Um, you know, the Chicago startup industry has been so great and so supportive and, um, you know, there, I don't believe there's there anything that I would have done differently. I think we're still on such a growth path. So, um, there's a lot to do still.
0: Awesome. And I, I don't know if I've talked if you get, if you guys bootstrapped this so far, raised some friends and family or where have you guys raised any money yet?
1: Yes, yeah, so we were definitely bootstrapping at the beginning. Um, Carl and I were self-funding, you know, putting in our own savings. Um, and then we did decide to start a family and friends and an angel round. Um, so this past summer in around June, we opened up the round and we were raising 500000 um, to give us a little bit of runway, mostly friends and family and, and individual investors that were interested so um, we're actually almost done the round. We're at 400,000 of the 500. So we're just closing out that, that last little bit. Um, but it's been really great because, you know, it gave us a little bit of runway to hire a few uh, different key roles. Also, you know, um, invest in a few other things that were just so critical that were not possible before that.
0: Got it. Yeah. I'm, I was curious to see where the first hires are going. And you mentioned offline sales. You're looking for somebody in the, the retail space to help with that. Well, what about internal? Are you, uh, I mean, recipe folks, or where, where, where would the dollars go? Out of curiosity.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we have hired uh, a couple of recipe developers that we work with very closely on creating, um, you know, our cultural and diverse and very holiday specific recipes. Um, we also have operational staff that we've been hiring for production in our kitchen space, um, which, as you can imagine, is a whole internal, you know thing that we have to focus on um, and then i mentioned we are looking for a salesperson as well so we're, we're actually looking to hire a director of sales who would be focused on um just selling selling to retail selling to corporate um, so that's an area that we're looking at very focused on the chicagoland area and you know the neighborhood grocery store specialty stores yeah in addition to that we've had some really great interns join the team um, and you know, some marketing folks as well. And we we work with a few consultants as well in the Chicagoland area within marketing, within PR, within social media. So that's another area where um, you know some of the funding is going towards.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely a big fan of outsourcing it until you're ready for that that full-time resource. The challenge can be though, is you probably get a strong network, but finding those outsource resources, right? (laughs) If you make a mistake with the wrong folks, right, it's going to cost you money and and set you back. So.
1: Right. Right. Um, But it's, it's been wonderful to work with, to your point, you know, we, we don't have the ability yet to hire all, all of these different roles internally. So we've been working with really, really great partners who are very experienced in the, you know, in the industry, especially in Chicago. So, um, yeah, once you find the right, right partner, it works really well. But of course it's it can be stressful. <laughs> yeah,
0: 100 percent right. So I think we touched on a little bit, but you know what what's next for you guys in the next three, six months? What's the the area of focus? Yeah,
1: so um definitely the retail channel. So we're exploring that now and we're gonna be launching in our first store. Uh I believe it's you know late November and um, growing from there. So we're very much constantly experimenting and making sure that every decision we make, there's some value there. So um, retail is the channel that we're focused on. We're also um, focused on the subscription. So it's newly launched subscription model and ensuring that there's absolute value there for our customers. And then lastly, not quite lastly, but we're building out uh, our website. We're doing a revamp where there'll be a lot more access to information, additional you know recipes on there, tutorials on there, a lot more access for our customers to learn tips and tricks about baking, about the recipes that they're buying from us. Um, so we're working through that as well.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I think it makes sense to, again, curate and be that, that resource to help you filter through, hey, these are good recipes we've tested and we've made it right? And just we talked a little bit about just trying to find and sift through information on the web of what's good and what's not good yeah. it's not easy so so i love that idea as well being that one stop shop for for baking needs so yeah, awesome absolutely
1: absolutely
0: awesome awesome well before i get to my one last question that i ask everybody I, i'm kind of curious would love to again check back with in with you we're doing this with a few other companies right in 3 6 months to bring you back on to just give us an update and on progress, as long as you you promise to share the good, the bad, the ugly, everything that's going, (laughs) full disclosure.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Awesome. All right. So I have one question I've asked everybody for now, 128 episodes is what is one thing that you would highly recommend and it could be professional or personal, something that's top of mind for you right now.
1: Yeah. I'd say on the personal side, I think it's really, really important to disconnect and, you know, as a founder, um, and even in, in my other career paths, it, it's very hard to disconnect and very hard to like turn off your email and just have some time to yourself. So for me, that's either picking up a really, really good book. Um, I like to do audiobooks as well, or it's, You know, getting a chance to work out. I've been um, I've been really, really a fan of the Peloton app, and or just for me, it's being creative. So you know, whether it's drawing or painting or attempting to learn the piano, that's that's something on my list. Um, Just anything that kind of gets my brain going a little more creatively and less on the work side is. I highly recommend that.
0: Yeah, it took me a long, long, long time to realize that, but yeah, it makes such a difference. Even that, you know the research, I'll tell you, just disconnecting is going to make you more productive at the time you spend at work. So I think that's absolutely. great advice. Uh, Shelly, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. And if folks want to find you uh, outside of the website, what's the, the best way for them to connect with you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You can reach us at our email. It's info at bakeitbox.com. And that's B-A-K-I-T box.com or the website, as you mentioned, bakeitbox.com.
0: Awesome. Well, Shelley, thank you again for spending the time. We're looking forward to uh, checking in with you here in the not too distant future. And, you know, best of luck or continued success.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Brett.
0: Anytime. Thanks, Shelley. Take care.